This is the Geek Therapy Podcast. Join Lara Taylor and me, Josue Cardona, as we celebrate how geek culture is saving the world. Currently, we're focusing on a geek therapy library. The library is designed to help fans communicate through their favorite movies, books, and games. It's a resource for therapists, teachers, and parents to find a way to work with or talk about important things through awesome content. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Josue here. Lara's not on the show this week, and actually we're going to be doing something a little different for the next couple of weeks. Instead of the usual back and forth between me and Lara, I'm going to share some interviews with you. And the first one today comes with Dr. Catherine Gordon and Brandon Saxton, who host another podcast called Jedi Council. That's Jedi Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, not C-O-U-N-C-I-L. So council, like counseling, it's pretty cool. The show is about talking about mental health through fictional characters. You know, one of the most exciting things that has happened in the past year, I'd say, with us here at Geek Therapy is that we put a lot of our podcasts together and we started a Geek Therapy network. And now we're all the way up to five shows. And the newest show is Jedi Council. They were doing their own thing for a while and now they're on the network. And it is so much fun to have them on board because now not only do we have more content every week, we can sometimes even talk about the same things. For example, back when Rogue One came out, you know, you can do an episode episode on multiple shows about that. And I don't know about you, but I like to geek out about something new when it comes out. I like to hear different perspectives. I like to see it from different angles. And so I I love having Jedi Council on the network. In addition to the podcast, they also have a website. They talk about all of this. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, like, like I mentioned, it's five shows now on the network. And I think that number is going to keep growing because I'm talking to different people. And if you have ever wanted to start a podcast and you think it would be a good fit for our network, something like maybe you got the idea from one of the shows on the network, or maybe you just want to do something that isn't mental health or psychology related and you still think it's geeky and and might be a good fit, talk to me, especially if you have no idea how to start because that's one of the things that I I want us to start doing here at Geek Therapy is is trying to help out the community. So if you don't know how to set up a website, if you don't know how podcasts are made, if you have no idea where to host it, talk to me. I've got options for you. I'd love to help out and get that conversation started. I would love to hear what ideas you have, Um, some that I've thought about. Like, I would love it if someday we had shows that focused on more niche topics. I would love an anime show. I would love a Disney show. I would love um, maybe something that focused more on RPGs specifically instead of just tabletop gaming. And even some of the topics that we're discussing can be addressed by multiple people. So... So I think there's room for a lot more. So here on this show, we talk about how to use geeky things to help other people. And sometimes we talk about how we would do that, how we have done it, how you could potentially do it with new things that are coming up, or we talk to people who are doing it in interesting ways. Now, Jedi Council does something a little different. They're really using fictional characters as a way to educate people about mental health, which is really cool. So, I mean, it just shows you that there's a lot of different things that we can do kind of in this realm of what we're all doing. And I would love to hear what you're all thinking. Even if you don't want to do this show yourself, I would love to hear what kind of new show you would like to see on the network. So definitely, please, please, please let us know. And you can do that by visiting geektherapy.com and going to contact or just email us at hello at geektherapy or on Twitter at geektherapy. That would be fantastic. And so... That's it for me right now. I hope you enjoy the interview. And like I said, for the next couple of weeks, we'll have a few more interviews. Let me know what you think. 
So I'm so happy to have the newest members of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network here, the hosts of Jedi Council, Kitty Gordon and Brandon Saxton. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Hi. All right. So I do, I do want to start with two questions and answer them in, in whatever order you see fit. Why would you ever want to start a podcast? And two, what is your podcast about? <laughs> Um, well, uh, maybe the why is the better, it will maybe paint a little picture and then we can get to the what is it about. Uh, so Katie and I both, uh, I, I guess it kind of born out of, out of some conversations that we were actually having over Facebook, I think. So we both sort of have this mental health training and then we sort of found we also have uh, a fairly large number of overlapping interests and in sort of pop culture sort of stuff, uh, comics and movies and stuff like that. And I think it actually all started uh, with the newest Star Wars movie, I think, um, if I'm remembering right. And sort of thinking about these characters and got thinking about Darth Vader, who is a character we both really liked, and sort of hypothesizing about some of the underlying psychology. And, uh, you know, we had all these interesting Facebook conversations, and uh, we thought they were very interesting. So we thought maybe other people think this is interesting in a very sort of egocentric sort of way <laughs> and uh, turned it into blog posts and so we were writing these blog posts sort of in the form of psychological evaluations and uh, having a lot of fun with that and we both are huge fans of podcasts and one day we thought let's just try it and so sat down uh, with my laptop I think and sort of not even knowing exactly where the microphone was located on which it. is apparent if you listen to that first episode yep. and uh, <laughs> sort, of, very bad. sort of a little bit stiff too in, in mm. our back and forth nature but uh, but that's sort of how it's all sort of got started is we we're just interested in mental health we're interested in sort of this pops popular culture sort of things uh, sort of uh, for a lack of better term nerdy or geeky sort of interests and we thought it, uh, you know combining them is a really interesting way to sort of maybe help people understand or introduce people to mental health through topics that they might be comfortable with or more familiar with. That's right. And part of it, too, was that I was teaching a child psychopathology class, and Brennan was a teaching assistant for it, and we were talking about how people have different ways that their lives can turn out depending on their circumstances. And so one of the exercises I had my class do is think about different Star Wars characters and what might have tipped them in one direction versus another, say Leia versus Anakin and, and their lives and what they ultimately did. And so that was another part of it, is thinking about how using this type of fictional character to talk about mental health might also be a good teaching tool. Yeah, the, the whole, you know, we have some really cool conversations. We should record them. That is the origin story for most podcasts, <laughs> I think. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many episodes do you guys have so far? 34, I think? Somewhere in the ballpark between 33 and 35, I'm pretty sure. How does that feel? Uh, it feels... I was actually just reflecting on that this morning. Uh, to me, I don't want to speak for both of us, but it feels pretty amazing. So when we sort of got started, recorded that first episode, and then I think there was maybe a month or longer gap before we sort of sat down and, and did a second one. And I very specifically remember you know, recording that first one. I think we were both sort of sitting there just sort of chuckling, kind of feeling a little like social anxiety, which is kind of interesting when you're kind of talking to a computer. Um, but, it, you know, now it's so natural and comfortable and it's so much fun. Uh, and to have, you know, that much content out there, 
about things that we're interested in and know about. It, it, it feels really cool to me. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, and I'm really happy that we've been able to prioritize it and keep it consistent. I think a big part of that is because we just have so much fun doing it, but mm-hmm. also what's been nice is that some people are listening to it and occasionally reach out to us and let us know, and I think that's really motivated us to keep wanting to do more podcast episodes. So the focus of the show is essentially an educational program. That's that's my understanding. Do you guys see it that way, or do you guys see it more as an entertainment piece? You know, uh, it's uh, I think that it's it's a lot of entertainment with some education in there. So it's <laughs> we, we've uh, we've kind of varied a little bit, I think, and it's sort of jumped around um, as we sort of tried to find what what was our real calling with podcasting and what did we really want to focus on. So you know, if you go through some of the episodes, there are times where we get so excited about whatever topic of the week it is uh, and geek out about it that we forget to talk about psychology or mental health completely. And then you have the reverse sometimes where maybe where something's happening in the real world or you know in, in everyday life that's uh, related to mental health and we get sort of caught up on that topic and we have a hard time tying it. So we've tried to sort of strike a balance now where we pick a particular psychological or mental health related concept and tie it to a specific piece of popular culture. So that way you're getting that interesting balance between the education piece and you get to learn about the psychology of the mental health piece and then see how it might be applied through a fictional example. It's sort of the balance we've sort of uh, found ourselves at after 30 episodes. Yeah, a lot of trial and error in there to figure out what we most wanted to do. But you're right, the idea is to engage people through the fictional characters and use those as examples, which is something that I think Brent and I have both tried to do with teaching is take Mm -hmm. the concepts and put them into something that interest people and that's a little more specific and hopefully that makes it clearer to understand these psychological concepts. Yeah, geeking out and then sort of like getting lost in that and then bringing it back to, to, to what the original purpose was, I can, I can relate all too well. Um, mm-hmm. We do that all the time and, <clears throat> you know, across different shows. And it's so funny because sometimes in the middle of it, I'm like, whoa, I haven't talked about anything mental health related. Let me, <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me, just, let, me, let me throw something in there. And uh, sometimes I think it's a little forced, but but for the most part, uh, once you get comfortable with it, right? Like I, I've been listening to to the show for a while, right? Like I reached out to you guys when you guys first started, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah, you guys seem so much more comfortable now. Like you, you you're in a groove. You have sound effects. It's always a good sign. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's it's fairly striking if you compare, you know, Matt first or second episode. The first episode is really like an interview sort of Mm -hmm. style, you know, a very back and forth uh, and sort of a a little bit of anxiety and a little uncertainty, whereas now it's a lot more conversational in nature, I would say. It's closer to our original experience of having these conversations and wanting to turn them into a podcast. But when when we listen to, when I listen to geek therapy, I do hear, it's kind of fun to listen to, and that's why I felt like, um, you know, some similarity or kindred spirits in listening to geek therapy because you also do that kind of mental health and bouncing back to geeking out and all that stuff. So it's very familiar conversation to hear. Yeah, I'm so glad that you guys, you know, that your show is on the network because even though there might be some overlap in some of the things we're talking about, especially when, you know, like a big new movie comes out, you know, we're all going to talk about Rogue One. We're all going to talk about Logan. And this year, you know, that'll happen many more times. And and it's kind of for me, it's actually a lot of fun because I can go and I can hear another perspective along the lines of what I what I still like. And but it's also a way for us to, you know, 
try to get that message out and 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 do it very differently. So I'm so glad that you guys are on the show. Very different perspectives, a different way of doing it. I'm I I, I love it. And well, thank you. We love it too. <laughs> and I so I do want to geek out with you guys a little bit about both mental health and and geek culture in general. So I wanted to ask you guys about the 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 decision to focus on on mental illness, right? Um, and mm-hmm. now, actually, shoot, like, what do you guys say in the in the actual description of the show? What is the tagline for Jedi Council? Uh, exploring mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So let me. Let me let me backtrack that. I don't know why I kept I wrote down mental illness, but I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> so I do I do want to geek out about mental health. So I want to ask you ask you guys honestly about the DSM, right? Because um, you're focusing on on these concepts, right? And we're using we all have to use the DSM as as our as our Bible as our dictionary, right? To to have a lot of these conversations. How do you guys personally feel about the DSM? Well, you know, the DSM, as imperfect as it is, and there are, I think it has to be understood within a context, and like you said, not referred to as kind of like a Bible or perfect or anything like that. I think it has really helped overall advance our ability to understand things through research and to treat things. And so I think it's important there because it does help us to speak a common language when we're talking about mental health phenomena. So I think that's really important. However, when I talk about it or think about it, um, I I try to also remember that the DSM has had many errors in it. I mean, one of the clearest ones is when homosexuality was brought out of the DSM in the 70s, whereas it used to be considered a disorder. And there are more modern examples of that, too. And so it's important that we look at how kind of sociocultural influences actually impact what we think of as mental disorders. And so with all of those numerous qualifiers, my personal feeling is that overall it is a good thing because it helps us to better study things and to better treat things in a way that I think would be difficult without a classification system. So, uh, Brandon, you're closer to – you've almost graduated, right, or or did you just graduate? Uh, I'm getting close to graduating, yep, but still pre-doctoral. Gotcha. So so the DSM is still – I mean, you know, you've – You've had a relationship with it for many years, but but mm-hmm. it's it's still newer for you, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. how, how did you feel about it when when it was introduced in school? Because you know, I, I I'm interested in how more and more I hear people in you know in media talking about the DSM, and that's a very good thing. But as a I remember as a student, it being kind of jarring. I'm just curious, what was it like for you? Uh, so for me, the DSM was was very interesting, I think, as a student when I first was introduced to it, because it, it sort of felt like the like the penultimate sort of this is exactly what I what I want to be interested in studying as someone who wants to be a clinical psychologist. So I remember sort of being excited uh, about, about the idea of it and maybe a touch overwhelmed by it, you know, just in how technical it sort of can be in nature. Um, but, you know, as I've sort of grown and, I, and now I've used the DSM and, and I've learned a lot more about it since being introduced to it, I think my Feelings about it are very in line with sort of what with what Katie said too, in that uh, although it is imperfect and 
and it's certainly a working document that uh, has room for, you know, to be modified and improved and changed uh, as we learn more and as society sort of changes. Um, I, I agree that having a sort of common language for clinicians and researchers to communicate with each other and, uh, you know, within, you know, across clinicians and clinicians to researchers, I, I do think it's, it's a necessary sort of thing. Have either of you ever read the book? Um, it's called The Book of Woe. I have not. Me either. Um, I forgot. I think it's. I think his last name is Alan. I, I'm not sure, but it's um, a book about the. Essentially, he was on the committee that decided um, the. You know that on one of the committees that decided what the disorders would be, right mm-hmm. at the at the American Psychiatric Association, and it reads like a horror novel. Okay, it is like it was so scary to me that um, it it really affected me. In in one way, but really, it just it just allowed me to see how, like how it really is something that it, that is very fluid and will continue to change, mm-hmm. right? Like um, I remember right when we went from the four to the five, I was I was finishing up school right when that happened, and I remember that so many changes were so were like I didn't understand why so then I read this book called The Book of Woe and it's a really cool like you should guys should check it out it's a it's a really great insight into that process what's going on behind the scenes about why certain disorders are uh, you know what they are and why some aren't included and why they look the way they do and for example like why did um, was homosexual behavior a disorder at one point and then it was taken out it's a really cool history and kind of insight into, into how that's made um, and for me, the way, the way it has affected me the most is that I try to talk more about symptoms than disorders. That was just mm-hmm. something that it did for me. And it's kind of like how we, how, at least on, on geek therapy, when we're talking about different mental health disorders, we try to just talk about the symptoms and not the disorder as a whole, because it, uh, it gets so complicated, but that's, that's, um, it's a cool book to check out. I, I, I'm curious. Um, I, I hope you guys check it out and then let me know what you think. Because yeah, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, I want to start a book club about the book of woe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Well, you know, one of the things that that also I think has influenced DSM, of course, is recently, and I don't know if this is in book of woe, um, talking about pharmaceutical companies and their influence and how people who receive money for their services um, who are paid by pharmaceutical companies, how they might be, even if it's not intentionally, but maybe influenced when they're making decisions about what makes it for a diagnosis. And I know they've tried to regulate that to some extent, but, um, you know, I see this come up in controversies about childhood bipolar disorder and, and things like that. And so I think it is really important to kind of take a critical eye at um, DSM-1 using it. So I, but that book sounds good. It sounds like it gives more of a history to it as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a controversial book, but it's, um, again, it's, it's kind of eye-opening. And, oh. and, you know, mental health in general. I mean, I think, I just think it's great that more of us are talking about it in general. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's, if it looks like if it's a good portrayal or a bad portrayal, that gives us an opportunity to actually talk about it. So I don't get, um, too, too bothered about seeing a represent, uh, you know, a, a representation that is just completely off. Just because, again, it allows people like us to 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 definitely react and talk about it. And and so I wanted to talk uh, to you guys a little bit about that. I was listening to the last episode I heard was the um, the guild episode that you guys did, right? Sure. And um, I've I haven't read Felicia Day's um, memoir, and so I'm not sure 
how exactly, um, like what her intention was with the show. But you guys mentioned about it being a portrayal of, you know, a particular internet addiction disorder. And so do you guys know, like off the top of your head, if she did do that on purpose to kind of represent what it was like for her? She, from from my memory, and it's been a little while since I've read her memoir, it was basically she wanted to write something and she was really stuck. And so she decided to write what she knew. And what she knew was this experience she had had where she basically had had a difficulty disengaging from playing uh, World of Warcraft. And so I don't know that it was intentionally to raise mental health awareness, though she has certainly done that since then. But, um, or if it was more like, I'm not sure what to write, and one suggestion that people have is write what you know, and so she wrote about her own experiences. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Then I, I just wanted to get that out of the way to use it as an example or or, or not, right? Pro, pro or con uh, towards the idea that sometimes media tries to purposefully uh, represent a particular disorder or diagnosis or even just like a loose concept like depression, right? Even if they're mm-hmm. not trying to hit all of the 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 you know, depression disorder um, symptoms, they're, they're using the terminology. So I'm curious if you guys, like, how do you guys feel about uh, the, the responsibility of media to kind of either represent things correctly or, you know, to do their homework, to, to actually hire people who, who know what they're talking about? Well, I, I guess this is just sort of my take on it. And, and, and I think that and I might be wrong here, but I think we take a little bit of a stronger stance on it from time to time, uh, just in sort of our conversations about it. Because I know, for example, and there are a lot of examples, of course, of mental health being portrayed in uh, media, but I want to use the example of Split, the movie, which uh, if you happen to have a chance to listen to our episode on that, you've got to hear our feelings about it. Uh, (laughs) I haven't watched the movie yet, so don't spoil it for me. Oh, well then, yeah, uh, I I won't spoil anything about it. Um, but that that was our longest podcast episode because we we were so sort of worked up about it. Um, it was a ranty episode. It was a ranty episode. <laughs> yes, that's a very good way to put it. And sort of uh, it, the reason I bring that up is because I think there are specific examples like uh, dissociative identity disorder, for example, where when it's depicted in media in a specific way, uh, that it actually has real life impact on individuals who might have the disorder or even might not. So for example, historically we've seen there are times where dissociative identity disorder has been depicted in the media and that the rate of diagnoses has increased um, in the sort of mental health community. So I think there is a little bit of responsibility uh, that people should you know, be held accountable or they should be responsible and should maybe look into certain things like that. Because when you're finding that portrayals in media are having those real life, that real life impact on people's lives, uh, people who might be getting a diagnosis who don't have it, I think that there is that responsibility there. That's sort of my take on it. And of course, that's just one example. But in my mind, it sort of generalizes um, broadly. Yeah, I tend to agree with Brandon. I mean, I think that, so one thing that I've tried to think about is, you know, are are expectations too high? So Mm -hmm. for example, I have uh, some family members who are historians, and they said Da Vinci Code was very inaccurate, and (laughs) that (laughs) took away from their enjoyment of the movie. But does that harm things? I don't know. It probably harms the perception of their field that it's inaccurate. But I do think that pop culture has a stronger impact often than 
um, other types of ways of relaying information. And so I'll, I'll put it this way. I really appreciate when people are making movies or comics or things like that go out of their way to have an accurate representation and to reduce stigma. Like I really liked uh, Gail Simone's run of Batgirl um, New 52 series because she consulted on it with the psychologist, Dr. Letamendi, as you probably know, and um, to make the PTSD part of it accurate. So I really appreciate that. I don't know that it should absolutely be required. That seems unfair, but I will say that it impacts how much I like the movie and it feels more responsible when, when there's a very thoughtful approach put into it. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. Um, it bothers me a lot when it's explicitly portrayed in one particular way and not just, not just a, a disorder, um, mental treatment in general. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it bugs me that there is just this very, very narrow view or narrow portrayal of what mental health treatment is like when there's so many different ways that clinicians are working, um, you know, just in the United States alone, let alone in, in other parts of the world. So that, 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 it's all very frustrating to me. Uh, but like you said, we can't, oh, we can't, um, it can't be a requirement. <laughs> it can't be a mm-hmm. law necessarily. Um, but I do, I, th- I think because there are the, there is that variety of portrayals. Again, we do have more stuff to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there, uh, other than Split, was there like a worst offender before then that, that you can remember? Oh man, you're you're putting me on the spot, Hill. Uh, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time. I, I thought Split was uh, was pretty bad, uh, so it it has a bit of a recency effect of sticking out in my mind. Um, <laughs> but I think there. I can't think of any other examples uh, off the top of my head that very inaccurately portray disorders. But I think that you sort of hinted at something that I've noticed as well. Um, just in sort of how. Uh, therapists or mental health clinicians are sort of portrayed in in various media. I, I think might be problematic, um, just in general. If people, you know, there are people who might need treatment who may have an idea of what therapy really is based on media who might not be interested uh, because of that. And I think that might be a, a bit of a problem sometimes. But but I'm having a hard time thinking of a of a specific example that sort of stands out in my mind. Yeah, well, I think some of it is is what you said earlier, which is that uh, sometimes they're not intending to depict a certain mm-hmm. mental health problem, and so I think that's part of it. the The kind of negative examples that stick out in my mind, most of them have to do with dissociative identity disorder, mm-hmm. because sometimes it feels like it is specifically used to sensationalize or cat capture people's attention more than other types of things, mm-hmm. and so I I feel like that is you know that. That one might be, I guess, more vulnerable to to sensationalizing it or inaccurately representing it than some of the others. Yeah, I mean, it's also so rare, right? That uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah, definitely people's um, perception of it is is almost entirely through media. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, it's hard, right? Like something like United States of Terror was such a fun show. It's mm-hmm. absurd, and, and and there's so much about the disorder that we you know we still can't say for sure, and. It's just, uh, I don't know. Um, again, it's harder for us. I, I often think, you know, how hard is it for, you know, medical doctors to watch ER and, and, mm-hmm. and shows that have to, you know, at, at a hospital? I remember there was once, there was this one show, and, and I talk about it every now and then. I need to look up more information about it, but it was called Mental. 
and it was on Fox and it was a a kind of like an ER type of show, but in a mental hospital. And every time a patient would show up at the hospital, um, they would actually flash a like an intake page on the screen and fill it out. Um, like a, like a re- really quickly in, in handwriting, st- showing the DSM code and the disorder with a diagnosis there, and then that's what the episode w- would be about, or that or that character's story would be about. And it was canceled after like just two or three episodes, and but it was so painful for me to watch. I had never I never felt so uncomfortable watching a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, rough. that would make me uncomfortable, oh, yeah. too. You know, I was thinking, and, and though I can't pull a particular um, thing to mind, I was thinking eating disorders are often really, the way they're portrayed really aggravates me because it's often portrayed as like a vanity or superficiality thing rather than a significant mental health problem. And so um, the Mindy Project, do you watch that show at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, this won't ruin anything should you decide to watch it. There's a character, and it's she's not a major part of it. Um, and I like the show, by the way, uh, generally speaking. Um, but And she is very thin, and she's kind of portrayed as eating nothing and also kind of having all these other negative personality characteristics. And I think it that does perpetuate the stigma and misrepresentation of eating disorders, that it's about people who are kind of overly controlled and and superficial and um, vain or something like that. And I, I, so that bothers me because I think that, that actually I've seen that affect people, you know, friends or family members of someone suffering from an eating disorder who thinks they need to just stop focusing on their appearance so much and kind of snap out of it. Yeah, one of the most frustrating things about, again, that irresponsibility piece of it is, okay, you want to touch this topic, but then you're going to do it in a 22-minute episode. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not enough time, you know, to show the nuances of it or, or, or really say much about it. And, and saying less is, is, is often worse. Um, yeah, bringing up eating disorders, I recently saw an episode of uh, Blackish, and I love that show. But on this particular episode, they, sh- they, they showed that one of the characters, um, he copes with, with bad things by eating. So the running joke is kind of that he has sadness cookies and a shame cake. And he has all these foods hidden around the house. And whenever he feels particular emotions, he goes and he binges on those, on those foods. And like, it was so hard for me, not only as a, as a mental health professional, it was hard for as someone who's dealt with an eating disorder. It was just so uncomfortable. And then they kind of just ran with the jokes and then never addressed it as a problem. It was mm-hmm. kind of a secondary thing. It was infuriating. Oh, but at least, yeah, you know, it was yeah, an opportunity to, worst. yeah, it was at least an opportunity to, to, to talk about it. But man, you know, it's so, oh, that one felt really responsible. That's a good point about eating disorders. You know, that I think that's, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's one of yeah. the common things I think is um, the showing binge eating in a way that's made as a joke. And that they, it's amazing to me that people are still doing that in supposed comedic shows and doing it so irresponsibly because it's just you know it's been around for so long it's so offensive it reinforces stereotypes and it's also just kind of a lazy joke like they're just 
making you laugh about someone who's struggling with a weight problem or eating. And so that one also really bothers me because, so we know as people work in mental health, people who struggle with those issues already internalize a lot of those negative stereotypes about themselves, about being out of control or being something to laugh at. And so it doesn't help when it's also portrayed in popular TV shows, which are otherwise very good, like Blackish, which is a great show. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I've I've really doubled down on this on this whole idea of media and using it to talk about all these um, you know really important issues is because let's be honest right like ha- our education comes mostly from these things that we consume right that we consume for entertainment and that's like we get an idea and that's kind of the first idea we get or it's the the most prevalent idea and unless you study it like we have then then that's all you know mm-hmm. and oh, yeah yeah. I mean that's why that's why I'm glad I'm glad um we're doing you know we have more shows doing this and and I hope to continue doing that um along the lines of like rep- things that are represented or misrepresented my understanding is that you guys live in North Dakota right that is correct so um I've never okay so I, I, I hate to admit but I've never seen Fargo or the TV series I've never seen the movie or the TV series is that close to you guys at all like Fargo like physically, like the location. Uh, that's where we live. Yeah. You live in Fargo. Okay. So yes, sir. How do you feel about the representation of Fargo in media? <laughs> is it accurate? Like if I see that movie, is it is it just like if I went to visit you? Well, I've never seen the movie either, which is Whoa. probably pretty bad for someone who actually lives in the town. But my justification is that I'm just living it every day. I don't <laughs> even do the movie. Uh, but I did watch the first season of the TV show, so I could speak to that a little. Okay. Katie, you've seen the movie, right? I have seen the movie, but I also feel like even though I've lived here for a while, I'm not originally from here, so my perspective might be different from even though you're not <laughs> from Fargo, but you're from you know, unless the movie and the show isn't actually in the city of Fargo, mm-hmm. but it's in the area. Yeah, so. That is true. I, I'm originally from about 100 miles from Fargo, so pretty close. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so my, <laughs> uh, the, represent, the representation of Fargo on the TV show I thought was hilarious, and I loved it. So I loved the show. I thought it was really good. Um, the accents were really good. I don't know. It's hard to sort of hear if you have an accent, so I don't know if I sound like someone from the TV show, I guess. <laughs> but I probably do certainly have some of the inflections. I do say oofta a lot. That's one thing that's certainly true. Um, and I probably say, yeah, sort of draw that out a little bit. I don't say you betcha, though. But anyway, <laughs> but no, I, I think I thought the show was great. And sort of like some of the passive sort of uh, – discussions that sort of people have not being totally direct with things I think is probably very representative of how people uh, sort of conduct themselves in uh, this region that's my take on it okay okay so you didn't watch the movie because like you didn't it, it wasn't oh. offensive or anything like that or no 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 it just it's sort of one of those things that's like kind of been on my to-do list for forever I just haven't gotten to it yet yeah yeah <laughs> um, um, no that, that's interesting because uh, like Big Bang Theory, for example. I don't know where you guys stand on that, but I I really don't like that show. And it's funny when I explain to some people, some people get my explanation, some people don't. So so, so let, let me know what you think. Um, to me, Please. it's like, it's a show that's talking about my life style, like, right? Like my lifestyle, like the way, the things I care about and the things I like. And um, before th- being a therapist, I was actually a biomedical engineer. Like I'm a big science uh, person. I'm a huge nerd. I'm a huge geek. And so that show, like watching it, it offends me. 
because I feel like people are are making fun of my culture. Just in and in the same exact way that if I see a movie that and this hasn't happened in a long time, but you know movies where you saw stereotypical depictions of someone who was Hispanic and mm-hmm. like oh they're, they're like they're always the bad guy and I'm like oh like that's that's infuriating. Um, but since in recent years I identify more as a geek than anything else, um, I can't watch that show. I can't do it. Um, so so that's kind of why I was asking about Fargo because uh, I, I figured you guys were in that area. How do you guys feel uh, so, about Big Bang Theory? <laughs> so, um, unlike Fargo, that which does not bother me with its depiction of me as a Fargo, and I am, I am also I, like you. I'm very bothered by uh, Big Bang Theory. Okay. Uh, so I should, I, in all fairness, I think I've only seen maybe the first two or three seasons. So I am, and and I think there are quite a few now at this point. So oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a great representation of of the entire series, but based on what I did see, I feel very much the same. Uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not offended at all by how Fargoans are depicted on Fargo, but I'm very <laughs> much bothered by the depiction of sort of geek culture in Big Bang Theory. Yes, I, I, that's how I feel about it. As sort of someone that sort of belonged to that subgroup for a long time. Uh, yeah, I, it doesn't make me terribly comfortable, and I think it sort of trivializes some of the you know some of the things that I'm actually like incredibly passionate about. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my take on it. I, I fall in line with your thinking quite a bit. Yeah, it's so frustrating to see someone say something that you would say and then have a laugh track right oh, after yeah. it. It's like, wait, whoa, 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 <laughs> not cool, <laughs> not cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh man. Well, I I, I only have. Um, one more thing I want to talk to you guys about, which is um, and 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 feel free to 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 not say too much if if you don't want to. But um, what do you guys have planned for the future? Like like, are there more shows that you want to do? Are there other kind of projects? Like, what do you guys see in the future of not only Jedi Council, but like you know things that you you want to do either as a pair or individually? Like, what ideas do you have? What do you want to see out there? Well, we're actually sort of putting together a second podcast right now that we're sort of setting the foundation for. I think we both forgot how much work it is to actually start a podcast. <laughs> There's actually a lot of stuff you have to do. Uh, so we're, it's been a little slower on the rollout. But yeah, we're we're in the progress or in the process rather of starting a second podcast right now, which uh, has the working title of Um, what's happening in psychology, which is going to be a little bit more focused on psychology specifically and what's happening in sort of the field of mental health broadly, as well as how are things that are happening sort of in the world maybe impacting mental health, Um, which will be, I think, a little bit more serious tone than Jedi Council has, and it'll allow us to maybe tackle some of the more, you know, serious topics uh, that we're, we like to balance the Jedi Council, of course, with a little bit more humor, at least things that are funny to us. This will allow us to, <laughs> to take a little bit harder stance on some certain things. Um, so that's one thing that we have uh, sort of in the books uh, right now with that. I know that 
being part of the uh, Geek Therapy Podcast Network is a huge thing for us. We were so excited about that. So I know we're really interested in sort of being involved with that and and uh, helping facilitate people to sort of getting to find all these really awesome shows. Uh, I know we've been trying to get more involved in sort of speaking events. We've spoken, uh, we did one panel at a local convention and we spoke at one, at a Nerd Night event, if people are familiar with that. So, and I know we're interested in doing some more of that. So we've got, we've got some uh, irons in the fire. I think mm-hmm. that covers most of it. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is, is more speaking engagements uh, locally. That's been a nice way to connect with people despite there being a number of things that went wrong with our panel mm-hmm. in terms of having the room changed at last minute yeah. and poor signage and all this other stuff. Ultimately, we did have a fun group there, and I oh, yeah. really enjoyed that. And that was very much like a conversation with people who are just attending the local Comic-Con about their favorite characters mm-hmm. and different concepts. And I enjoyed that. I'd love to do more of that. We've also considered potentially writing a book. We like writing and that's mm-hmm. part of what we do. It's mostly been in the form of kind of a shorter blog post, but it's something we've considered too. We're interested certainly in making mental health information more accessible or available to the public in interesting ways, but we've also talked about ways to um, train, you know, like mental health practitioners potentially using fictional characters. And I thought about that idea from one of your episodes on geek therapy, where you discussed a book that had fictional characters that were um, kind of case studies and case conceptualizations. And I thought that was such a cool idea because especially if they're characters that people are already really interested in, they, you might find that they think a little more deeply about it or that they, you know, um, get really involved in conversations about the best way to approach it. And so those are some things on, on the radar right now. Another thing that I am, this is sort of unrelated Mm -hmm. to the mental health component, which is pretty predominant in most of the things that we do. Uh, but I, more it's more related to my personal interest, but I'm also pretty interested in starting a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. But I don't. There are so many of them and so many good ones. I I'm really sort of puzzling still over how to make that interesting and unique uh, for people to listen to. But that's just that's probably my most tertiary sort of thought. Yeah, D and D Beyond was just announced, so it digitizes oh, yeah. a lot of that. So that could make it easier. Absolutely. To do it like long distance. Mm-hmm. I've never played um, – I mean, I played D&D when I was so small that I don't remember it. Like, I've never played okay. it as an adult where I could appreciate or even as a teenager. So I would – I'm open to, to you know, joining a group. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if it is I, recorded. <laughs> I, well, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. If you ever just want to have a long-distance campaign going uh, over Skype, it, it's, certainly, uh, it's certainly a really fun and interesting game and a, a great way to – uh, I get so interested and caught up in the mechanics, but it's also a great way to socialize and and spend time with friends. And uh, I don't know, it's I think best described as sort of a cooperative storytelling. And I think there's something really magical about that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know the, the the book that that you mentioned, Katie. You know, written by Lawrence Rubin. It is you know all all of the stuff that he's done over the years has been. Um, like have been super inspirational to me. They've, they've motivated me. They gave me a lot of great ideas. And I think, you know, talking about, well, let's do some more podcasts, for example, like that's very 2017, right? Um, a lot of the things that I talk about, or even you guys talk about on Jedi Council, for example, I have a few very old books that are 15, 20 years old that are um, about 
watching movies as mental health treatment and learning about disorders through them, right? But those are very old books. Like those people aren't writing anymore. They don't have a blog. They don't have a podcast. So I think, you know, it, it, it's absolutely, um, it's so important for us to kind of, you know, continue that work um, mm-hmm. as, as the mediums evolve, as we have so much more to talk about, you know, like just movies alone and TV. I mean, it, it's incredible how much, um, specifically like just superhero and, and sci-fi and fantasy stuff we have to work with now is, is fantastic. And, and, and your other podcast idea, not, not the D and D one. I think that's also like mm-hmm. do it. Um, podcast, 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 but the, the mental health one, um, I bought the domain years ago for WTF mental health. <laughs> and my hope was to, um, and I still want to do this. I just, I just, you know, I need to take one thing at a time. But my plan is to, or what I wanted to do, who knows if I'll ever actually do it, but it's a, it's a show addressing kind of the, the absurdity of, of, of our field <laughs> uh-huh. and explaining it, right? Because there's, it's, it's complicated and there's so many things out there and, um, you know, everything from treatment to the DSM to insurance to like all of these things that are just so hard to understand. And I think that, you know, having uh, a discourse about it, getting a little ranty, you know, and, and showing different depictions of it, I think, I think it's very, very valuable because it is, I mean, there's such an educational component to what we do that, you know, people come to us and like, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I think that's really important. So, so I will, I will keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So guys, uh, thank you so much for finally coming on Geek Therapy. I know it's my fault for not having you on sooner. It's not like, <laughs> I, it's not like you guys took longer. Um, how can people find Jedi Council, how can people get in touch with you guys? Well, uh, we have a website at uh, www.jedi-council.com. It's probably worth pointing out, too, because this is something that sort of happened as we kind of got things rolling. Uh, Council, for us, spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L, sort of a play on words. I think there are a lot of people who had a hard time finding us because their Google autocorrects to the uh, mm-hmm. council, like you might suspect, with the, to be associated with the Jedi. But it's so, clever uh, enough. It's so clever that it's worth it. That, that's right. Thank you very much. You guys made the right uh, so, call. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've got our site there, and that has links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, and it also uh, contains all of our um, blog posts and uh, our podcast episodes there too. Our podcast, uh, we've got it on iTunes and Stitcher and Podbean, so it's available for folks uh, almost anywhere they, they want to find it. Um, and we put out a new podcast episode pretty much every Friday uh, unless something weird comes up and one of us isn't available unexpectedly. And we try to put out a new blog post uh, every month on the 1st. Fantastic. And if people want to get in touch with you guys individually, are you guys on Twitter, Facebook? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're on both. We both have individual Twitter handles that you can find on the Jedi Council Twitter page. Uh, I'm a little bit worse about checking and using mine, um, but Katie's pretty good at hers. Otherwise, we're also pr- pretty uh, responsive to direct messages on Twitter and Facebook as well. We both monitor the pages pretty closely. So, yeah, we're available there. And then we also have a, a Gmail address if you want to send Jedi Council an email directly, uh, Council blog at gmail.com. 
Uh, so, and we're pretty good about checking that too. We've had a few people email us uh, with just maybe some feedback about a blog post or something that they thought. Um, but yeah, no, we absolutely love hearing from people. Actually, it's probably one of my absolute favorite things that sort of come about as a consequence of podcasting is getting to interact with interesting people really all over the world. Um, so I love to hear from people. So my my Twitter handle is at. Dr. Dr. Catherine K. T. H. R. Y. N. Gordon. G. O. R. D. O. N. Got it. All right, and I will put links to all this stuff in the show notes. Thank you guys again so much for coming on the show, and we will. I look forward to our many podcasting adventures together. Absolutely, uh, us Thanks too. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. You've just listened to Geek Therapy on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. 